You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin by calling in the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out to our ancestors, to yours and to mine, to those people who lived in their own time, who met the challenges of that time in ways that bring learning, in ways that ultimately evolved into wisdom, in ways that were perhaps harrowing challenges, but were teachings nonetheless. And I ask for these ancestors to be with us here today to help us to tap that rich legacy of those who have gone before us. So I call out to all of those who are good and true and beautiful ancestors, those who are truly able at this time to function as actual helping spirits. I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today and to gather around, to help us, the living, to meet the challenges of our time, to know what traditions to carry forward because they give human beings grounding and presence and boundaries and strength to meet the challenges of their time. But I also help you, ancestors, to help us to understand, to push us where we must innovate and change. And I ask these ancestors to be with us here and to help us in each day that we might find what it is that we need within ourselves to do what we are uniquely here to do so that the gifts and the medicine are here for those who are coming. So I call out to these ancestors for their presence with us here today and give great gratitude for all that they bring to us. And I call out to those ancestors who are not in human form, who were here long before anyone ever thought of a human. I call out to these ancestors who share the earth with us to help us to learn to live here in a good way with all living things. It is not just our children and our children's children we are concerned with. It is not just the humans in the next seven generations, but it is the food and the water and the sun and all that is available for those people who will be here in the next seven generations. So I call out to all of the ancestors in all of their forms to gather around us here today and to help us, help us the living to make good and sound decisions in our time for those who are coming in all forms. And so as the ancestors gather around us, let us gather ourselves and draw our awareness from wherever it might be into our heads. From our heads, let us draw it down into our hearts And from our hearts, let us draw it down into our bellies. And from deep, deep in our bellies, let us take a moment and stop everything and touch the earth with our awareness, with our hearts, with our gratitude. And we call out to the earth to hear our gratitude for all that has been in our life's journey that has brought us to this moment, for all that is and all that will be. We give great gratitude for the earth's dreaming that brought us here to experience this particular kind of life on this planet. And we give thanks for the generosity in that dream, which gives us the capacity to transform anything as long as we are still breathing. And we give thanks for the beauty and for the diversity and for the wonder of life. And for all of this, great gratitude filling our hearts. Let us move our energy down through all the layers of the earth, letting our gratitude pour out as we go, as we drive our awareness and consciousness all the way down to the very center of the earth. And we anchor ourselves firmly there, making a deep connection to the very center of the earth with our own choice to ground ourselves there. And open our awareness out to the essence energy of the earth. That which nourishes, that which rises to the surface of this planet to bring abundance. The abundance which supports every living thing on the face of the earth. We give thanks to that energy that is pure potential before it rises. To that which is still and silent and dark and waiting. We give great gratitude to this energy as we draw it up, drawing it into our bodies as we would receive fresh water on a hot, hot day. And we draw this energy up 
up into our bodies that we might be replenished and restored, that we might be renewed, and that we might be revitalized in our sense of why we are here. And we call this energy up into ourselves and use the wisdom of the earth to understand how to be manifest in form in a good way, to understand how we ground in our lives and get a sense of place, a sense of where we stand and what we stand for. And that we build a sense of home around this and a sense of belonging, a sense of connection to others. And that we do this in a way that is not based on exclusivity, but is based on a sense of core understanding of who we are and a willingness to open and allow in and invite in those who think differently than we do, those who look differently than we do, those we do not even understand. We invite them to our table, we share a meal with them, and we invite them to be who they are that they might inspire us to be who we are. And so we call out the energy of the earth to help us in this way to understand interconnection, connection within ourselves, connection with others, connection with our environment, and ultimately to feel this great, great interlocking web of life that connects everything. And from this web of life and our place in it, may we be blessed in this day with a moment of sensing our oneness with all things. And may we take our sense of self from that oneness and come into right relationship with ourself, right relationship with our environment, and right relationship with the spirit world. And with the earth helping us to ground and find our place within ourselves in this time, let us begin to send our energy up from our bellies to our hearts and our hearts to our mind and our mind out into the sky above and whatever it offers for you today in the sense of weather, out through the weather and out through the atmosphere and all the way out into the cosmos and the great wonders that we have yet to discover. We reach out through that cosmos to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you know that energy, name it. Know it in yourself and it in you and draw this energy down, drawing into yourself and into your day and into these proceedings, the essence energy of blessings and feel the benevolence and the beneficence of this universe, of this experience and draw it in even as you feel protected You feel the devotion and the commitment to be here in life and do what you have come here to do. And may these energies also inspire us and illuminate the way for us and to help us along our path. And as we draw this energy from above in to our heads and to our hearts and our bellies, we send it all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, earth and sky are connected, not just in the middle, but through us and each into the other's realm. And in this way, we as humans become this place that these two great legendary lovers come together and become one within us. And may that big love inspire our own hearts into action in our lives. And may our hearts open in this day to become the crucible of transformation that they are and to draw up the fiery passions of our belly and draw down the crystal clarity of our mind and let these two energies that barely even know each other dance. Let them dance together, and in that tension, in the friction of that dance, may they give birth to that third and most sacred thing that you carry in this life, which is a sense, a feeling, a memory, a knowing of why you are here. And may you find in your human heart the courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring that gift, that medicine that you are to the world, to bring it in some way, large or small, into manifestation in the world. And for the assistance of all the helping spirits, named and unnamed, I give great gratitude for your presence in our lives. May what needs to be said be said today, and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I would also like to thank my dad, to thank Allison, Susan, Teresa, Judith, Kayleen, Jamie, and David, and all the other listeners who have been able to donate financially to the show. For those of you that are listening for the very first time, the show is listener-supported, that it runs entirely on donations from people like you, and I give great gratitude for those who have been able to donate financially. For this show is available, um, 300 hours available in the archives to anyone who can get onto the internet from anywhere in the world, and I give great gratitude for your assistance in making this happen.
that I receive emails weekly from people who aren't able to donate, who give thanks for those of you who are. So in some way, we are doing this together. And so if you are moved by this show in any way into excitement and inspiration or irritation and frustration, you have been moved in the heart. And I ask you to do that most fundamental of shamanic actions, which is to allow what moves your heart to motivate your actions in the world. And I ask you to do something, large or small, to help the show to grow. The first and most essential thing is to actually bring the teachings into your life and try them. Try them for a while. See what happens. Email me with your questions. Email me with your show ideas. What arises as you actually practice these things? What is the next step? What is the next question? That the emails that I get from listeners become the next layer of shows, and that, and so the show has grown over all of these years. So I give thanks to all of you who have found other ways, other than financial, to support the show, to share the shows, and to help the audience to grow. Um, in this way, it is my hope that we are doing a better job becoming the people who can truly be new people, writing new stories for a truly new world. So thank you everyone for all that you do. For those of you that want to donate and don't know how, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. The show has its own website. You can donate through there if you click the support button. You can donate any amount, large or small, in any currency. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air, and we are grateful for all of it. If you're uncomfortable doing that, simply email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I would be happy to give you a regular address for a regular check. And thank you for that as well. With that said, there is also a Facebook page for the show. If you want to comment on a show, you're welcome to do that there. But let us know what show you're commenting on um, because we don't, a lot of the comments are sort of seem sort of random because we don't actually know which show you're talking about. Um, but you're welcome to have conversations with each other on the Facebook page for the show. Um, and other than that, I suppose we should get out the show. So we are live today. And so if you have questions about today's topic, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938 or Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site or simply email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. All right, so today's show is about finding your calling and in particular using shamanic skills to assist you in doing that. And uh, today we're going to focus on messages from the healer in doing that. And and why are we doing that? Why are we doing this now? Um, We are doing this because this December 2014, to put us in time context, we find ourselves on the other side of an opportunity that was begun in December of 2012. Yes, that 2012, the big deal, 2012, which was in the prophecies of many peoples on the planet, the end of a world and the beginning of a new world. And, um, I spent a lot of time in the shows at the end of 2012 talking about what that means from an indigenous perspective. It is not an apocalyptic vision as much as it is about the opportunity to change the story. And so this winter solstice is is an opportunity, and that's what these next four shows are about. This next winter solstice is an opportunity for those who are prepared, and the spirits have been very specific about this as I've been asking, is it's an opportunity to be seized for those who are able to seize the moment. So if you're not prepared and you're all burdened by still seeing the world through the old stories and still telling yourself lies about reality, then you're not going to be able to seize the moment. That's what they're saying, that it's it's really cut and dried. And that this December is the it's like the other side of a bridge that was that we was begun in 2012 and that we're sort of been moving across this potential bridge for those who are willing to move. <laughs> so anyway, what the opportunity is is an opportunity to make sudden change. Now, sudden change is actually really quite special. And mostly we don't do it or we don't like it because we don't like change at all, particularly not sudden change, but nonetheless For those of you who have prepared yourselves to actually drop your old stories and stop telling yourself lies, you can seize this opportunity for a sudden shift into a new version of yourself and a new version of your life. And this this is not to be taken lightly. Sudden change is actually a great gift and it's it's really not that common. So given this, um, as I did in 2012, 
um, I've gone to the four archetypal teachers from the cycle of transformation to ask for guidance in how we can prepare ourselves to seize this opportunity. I think it's an enormous um, opportunity, actually. And I've been, as I'm watching world events right now, a part of me is just going, oh, God, you know, can't we please just drop this and move on? I mean, the, anyway, like I said, it is, an, is a great opportunity to be able to make sudden change. So how do we prepare for that? So what the spirits explain, just to kind of explain this opportunity, is that this winter solstice, so this isn't about Christmas and New Year's and, and those kinds of celebrations. This is about the cycles of ritual and ceremony that move with the natural cycles on the earth. Um, and so this is tied in with the solstices, as as was the change in 2012. Okay, so to be clear, this winter solstice, 2014, is an opportunity to seize the moment to make the coming year more fruitful. Now, be clear, next year is a work year. It is not going to be an easy year. It's going to be a year of working. But the value here is that the work will be fruitful and and there's been a a feeling in a lot of people of sort of spinning their wheels and of not being able to get the changes to ground themselves and take root fast enough for the old power structure uh, to regroup and reorganize itself so there's been kind of a frustration in these last two years but the point is you know, we all, our timeline, our human sense of timeline is almost always too short. And we haven't understood that even though, yes, the world changed to the new world in 2012, there's this movement of time kind of across this gap. And this is the bridge in these astrological omens of this two-year phase. So here we are. So now the thing is, if you don't want to work and you're not going to work next year anyway, and you're just going to you know, keep doing what you're doing and, and hope everybody survives, then you can stop listening to this show. It's not going to be helpful for you. But if you want to focus on seizing this particular opportunity or you simply just want to understand how we can use shamanism to seize an opportunity and move more clearly towards our calling, then go ahead and keep listening. So if you do want to do your spirit work and uh, you, you've been working with kind of a strong through line since 2012 um, of actually bringing personal work into your spirit work then this series of these next four weeks is definitely for you so the energy in this time is about putting your money where your mouth is in other words it's about value and aligning yourself your words your life with those things that you value so putting your money where your mouth is um it's about it's also about no longer spending your time energy and resources in things that you do not value and that is the particular nature of this change and that's why these shows are actually about finding your calling because your calling has everything to do with what you value in life and living a life that is the cultivation of those values in some way okay so, you know, your values aren't about your job title. Your values about how you engage in any work that you're doing, right? Okay. And the refusal to do certain work because it is completely contrary to your values. Okay. So, the energy of this time is about aligning your actions with your words. So, it's not only putting your money where your mouth is. So, it's not only aligning your with your values but it's aligning your actions with the words or aligning your words with your actions. So in other words, if you align your words to describe what you're actually doing and hear yourself, you might realize your life is not what you think it is. So this is about um, tidying up the clutter, the energetic clutter that gets created in our life when we basically lie to ourselves about what we are doing in each day. So it's about aligning 
with our values and aligning our words and our actions. And the energy of, of this time is about an opportunity to drop the old stories that keep us out of alignment with ourselves, meaning the old cultural narratives that define um, us, what we should and shouldn't value, et cetera, et cetera. So it's about dropping the old stories that have been driving how you perceive and discern life. Right? So the energy of this time is an opportunity to stop telling yourself lies. So it's lies about what you're eating, lies about how lovable you are, lies about what you really want in life, lies about how many times you work out, lies about how you really feel about your relationship with your family, lies about your boundaries and how good or bad they are, lies about how you're really engaging in your relationship with yourself. You know, lying about your practices. So we, so this is about closing that gap to stop telling the old stories and lying to ourselves and just live the consciousness we have been cultivating. So here's the deal. If you have done the work to get out of your own way and you engage in this solstice ritual to drop these old stories and lies, um, then where you act going forward will bear fruit. This is the promise of this time, of this opportunity. If you do the work and drop these stories and the lies through ritual at the solstice, you know, the preparation and the ritual at the solstice, then as you go forward and change, then the work will bear fruit. I don't know. For me, that's a good message. So the next year is a work year. There's no getting around it. I'm not quite sure what it is in the Chinese uh, calendar. But anyway, so next year's work year. Um, but nothing will change unless you're willing to drop the old stories and lies. And then the work that you're doing becomes more fruitful if you're willing to get out of your own way. So it can either stay the same. If you do nothing, it's going to absolutely stay the same. And the work of next year is just going to be work. And bear very little fruit. So this is basically what the spirits are trying to explain. I'm sure those people that do this through astrology can explain this much more clearly. But anyway, this is where we are from a shamanic perspective. And with this is also the reminder that it is always true that what you sow will bear fruit. So be careful what you plant. And this is the other part of this understanding. It's a work year. You'll be working hard. What you work on will bear fruit, but what fruit will that be? So in other words, your practice is what you do every day. So look at your day and be honest. What is your practice? You know, what are you sowing? What are you cultivating with what you're doing every day? And if that's a little dubious when you think honestly about it, then think about what can shift, what can you let go of, so that you can find the time or the energy or the resources for practices you intend, like your spiritual practice, like your physical aerobic practice, like your energy cultivation practice. We need all of these things to cultivate ourselves as a balanced person in the world. And this is a big part of the healer's message for us as we prepare for the solstice, is that we do not understand living well we think that we don't actually have to cultivate our heart and our mind and our spirit and our physical well-being that somehow we're it should just be fine no matter what we do and that's it's not true we have a we have a deep deep and shallow misunderstanding um deep and shallow at the same time misunderstanding of what it means to live well anyway i'm getting ahead of myself so that part of the point here because of the work and because of the bearing fruit and because whatever your practice is that is what you're sowing so that is the fruit you'll bear is to bring your practice into alignment and there's a um a quote i found recently from Thich Nhat Hanh um who has been a, a really a beautiful teacher you know over these last decades for us and the quote is that spiritual practice is not just sitting and meditating Practice is looking, thinking, touching, drinking, eating, and talking. Every act, every breath, and every step can be practice and can help us to become more ourselves. 
So the point of this solstice opportunity is to stop bullshitting yourself and allowing old stories to drive your life. It's about taking these next few weeks to do the work, to prepare, to live your true practices so that in the coming year they will bear fruit, fruit you want to sow. So what you sow will bear fruit. Be careful what you sow. This is the message of this time. Okay, so today we're going to explore the message from the healer and then we'll move through the archetypal teachers. So let me explain this because in 2012 when I did this, um, a listener asked, why are we talking to the healer and the teacher and the warrior and the visionary? You know, why not others? Been sort of missed the point that these are the primary archetypal teachers in the cosmology that is the core of or actually it's the core and the, the structure that holds the cycle teachings. So the cycle of transformation teachings, this is my four-year program, are a set of teachings that comprise a shamanic tradition within a shamanic cosmology. It's not a very long tradition, but it is nonetheless a tradition. Within that cosmology, you learn to work with your personal helping spirits and the teachers that populate the cosmology. So the teachers of the cosmology balance out the relationship between you and your personal helping spirits in the same way that the teachers and cosmologies of indigenous people balanced out and made complete their relationship with the invisible world. So it's the same idea. So given that um, the four shows back in 2012 are from these four archetypal teachers that are the core of the transformational piece of the cycle of transformation teachings. Um, and so to that listener, whoever you were, I'm sorry I never got back to your specific email, but this is the reason that we're going to the healer and then we'll go to the warrior and the teacher and the visionary because these are the four archetypal teachers that support us in transformation in this cosmology. So the healer then as an archetypal teacher carries the wisdom of living well, of well-being. And when we miss the mark, as we often do as humans, the healer offers us the wisdom of healing. And so the healer is much more than just learning how to heal. I mean, that in a sense, that's what we do when we miss the mark of living well, right? So obviously the healer is deeply related to the plant world. It's about our relationship with nature. And it's about our relationship with our physical body and our humanity, our being here in the world everyday self. And thus... The healer is also teaching us if we learn to listen to the wisdom of the body instead of ignoring it and trapping it in addictions and mis-messages from the lies we tell ourselves. If we allow ourselves to learn to listen to the true wisdom of the body, then we will be guided towards health and well-being from the body. The body's not the bad guy. Right? And so that's the big part of the healer's message is that the wisdom that the healer holds is also the wisdom in the body. And so the main message from the healer at this time is about the old stories that we carry. In other words, these cultural narratives that have been evolving over the past several thousand years, that they are untrue. This is a fundamental message from the healer. These stories are untrue because they're based on a lie of separation. Right? And that they distort the actual teachings of the healer. So the healer is very tired of being misunderstood, basically. So primary in this misunderstanding of healing is our denial um, of our relationship with death. And our, our misunderstanding that death is life's greatest ally. And many of you have had... Um, you know, many of you have stumbled into shamanism because you've had some kind of life-threatening experience, be it your own foolishness of some sort of overdose or something like that, or just an accident. But something that has happened that has renewed your value for your life one way or another. Um, maybe it's a hard-fought battle back from addiction. Maybe it's – who knows? But the point is something that has allowed you to question – our cultural relationship with death, which is to deny it and see it as a failure, which is our medical system's relationship with death. But to see death as an ally, in other words, if you asked yourself every morning, 
given what I have on my agenda here today, what would I do today if I knew I was going to die tomorrow? And ultimately, you want to evolve your life to a place where you can look at your tasks for the day and say everything. I would do nothing differently if I knew I was going to die tomorrow. You know, that you are so deeply living your calling that the fact that either the world's going to end tomorrow or you're going to end tomorrow would change nothing. So because the truth is... What gives us meaning and purpose is not about, you know, traveling to some exotic site. You know, I want to see Bali before I die. It's not the point. The point the healer is making is that living a life of meaning and purpose is the core of our ongoing relationship with well-being. And that having a close relationship with death so that we look at what's before us and say, would I really be doing this if I knew I was going to die tomorrow? And if the answer is no, no, no then we need to look at the fundamental choices we're making about our life. So this is the beauty of death and the relationship between death and the healer. So the healer gives us four areas that we need to investigate to prepare to drop the old stories and stop telling lies. So that's the theme from the healer. In preparation to seize this opportunity of sudden change, we need to stop telling old stories and drop and stop drop old stories and stop telling lies to ourselves. Okay. And there are four aspects of this from the healer's perspective that you need to focus on. One is first changing your understanding of what it means to live well. The next is healing as death and death as healing. So changing your relationship with death. The next is community and the individual. And the fourth is the individual and community. And while these are balanced, they are two different things. So let's look at the first one. So the first one uh, is the healer's message is about what it means to live well and how we misunderstand that because of our programming in our minds from old stories. And the healer's message is that our expectations for living well, even our understanding of what it means to live well, are very superficial. Even the best of us, we still have a superficial understanding of what it means to live well because that understanding is based on an old value system of a very old cultural story. So here's a great example um, of this point in time. So meaning this, this, this transition from the old world into the new world is so we say that we no longer believe in a value system of the old stories you know we we talk about this all the time um, especially those of you that have read Charles Eisenstein and follow this we talk about not believing those old stories and those old value systems but we've not yet actually dropped the system and adopted a new one so that we can re-understand what it means to live well so in other words, it's fine to so, – so, okay, so an example would be contemporary person reading all the right things, thinking all the right things, being all ready to move into this new world, but living in a way from a sense of well-being that you still don't have time to take care of your body. You're still running so fast you don't have time to eat properly for your body. You still don't have time to make sure you're moving your blood and pumping your heart and keeping your body physically well and out of the amazing stagnation that most of us live in in our jobs, at work, and our lives. And um, cultivating your energy body, being aware of your energy body, being aware of it as this place of the interface between the visible world and the physical world, and cultivating your spiritual life, your relationship with the invisible world that these are all necessary to truly be living well. And so our, our cultural value or your personal value for these other wisdoms needs to catch up with the value for the mental wisdoms. Nothing wrong with mental wisdom, but you got to bring the other your value for the others up. And so this is what the healer's saying is you're bullshitting yourself. You're talking about new ideas and new stories, but you have not yet changed the values that are driving your life. 
And that's what the healer is saying, that this is the opportunity. If you can just prepare, just get clear about the old story you're still running on, you could step up to this winter solstice fire and throw them into the fire and step away, make the changes, and they will begin to bear fruit. You can have a sudden change and move on. It's a great opportunity. So, deeper sense of living well and how to engage all four aspects of the self actively and daily. This is the deeper sense of living well, that you are constantly cultivating your relationship with the wisdom of your physical body, the wisdom of your emotional body, which most of you can't even trust at this stage because there's so much need for clearing from the past. The wisdom of your mental body and the wisdom of your spiritual body and that these wisdoms all come together always in your decision-making process. Nobody dominates internally. That that, that is well-being and that we must value these all equally if that's going to become our fundamental basis for well-being. This is the healer's point. So how? You could journey to ask your helping spirits, show me the old story values I still hold that undermine my deep sense of living well. Just ask your helping spirits to show you the stories you're still running. Or you could ask your helping spirits, show me the old stories that keep my understanding of living well superficial. Because this is the main point the healer is making. Even at your greatest depths, your understanding of living well is still superficial. Currently, for us currently. You could ask what values support a deep and true understanding of living well. And then figure out how to close that gap between the values you carry and the values you need to carry. You could also ask what needs to happen then to change the value system that you hold. Which leads me to the next part of the healer's message. So healer continues. For most of you, your sense of living well is false because your unreconciled childhood patterns are distorting your ability, your ability to engage and assess living well. Which is what I was just saying about your emotional wisdom. I'm going to say the healer said again. So for most of you, your sense of living well is false because your unreconciled childhood patterns are distorting your ability to engage and assess living well. Okay, so in other words, your sense of yourself, your sense of your health, your sense of your life, and therefore your perspective on all of this is actually false because your, your wounded inner child is still driving the bus. Okay, so... This is, of course, what the whole clearing that I'm always talking about is about. But I'm going to stick with the healer and using and the theme of today, which is your calling and shamanic practices. Okay, so you could journey. Which unreconciled childhood patterns most distort my deep sense of living well? So if you could just transform three at this fire, you'd be moving in the right direction. You know, working with helping spirits is all about momentum. It's all about changing the momentum in your life. It's not about perfection. It's about momentum. And which way is the momentum moving in your life? And are you moving with it? Okay. Another question. Um, Let's see. So we're looking at unreconciled childhood patterns. So unless you are actually a child right now listening to this show, then you need to ask yourself, what do you gain from continuing to live out of these childhood patterns? I mean, honestly, What benefit do you gain from continuing to live out of your unreconciled childhood stories? And the benefits are things like, I don't have to be honest with myself. I don't have to step into my power. I'm protect, you know, it's like all of these crazy things. And we realize, why am I doing this? We're operating against ourselves. So the other thing to pay attention to in these messages from the healer, this is the third thing, uh, it under this um, issue of your childhood patterns is that false is a really strong word, especially when it's being used by your helping spirits. It always means not true. So we humans negotiate this huge gray area within ourselves with all these little white lies between true and false. But in my experience, this is one of the first places, this gray area, it's one of the first places our helping spirits bust us totally when we're asking for help. So if we're thinking about your life's calling, you can't have a gray area. So are you going to be true to yourself or false? 
Living out of childhood patterns when you are an adult is false. So how could you possibly be zeroing in on your true calling if you're living a false life? This is what the healer's trying to get us to see. And so our helping spirits are really, really committed to getting us to grow up and not keep doing this. Okay, so the healer continues. You, you and I, right? The healer's saying, you allow all of this distortion because you are disconnected from what you value in life. Your biggest issue in living well is all of the excuses you make up and the lies you tell so they don't have to accept and live what you truly value. And this is a really challenging issue in life because living by what we value often causes disconnection in relationships we don't want to disconnect from and puts us in a place where we may be alone for a while before we're able to reconnect with others who share a similar set of values. So, for example, if, there is, if you value truth and you have a family member who lives in fear and values lies to be able to negotiate that living in fear place, you're going to have to make a choice. And this is hard. This is one of the hardest things about living uh, based on what we value. It's also hard sometimes because what we value isn't what our culture values. I would say that probably my values are closer to really, really old Americans and are not really very much aligned with contemporary Americans. But that's not an excuse for me to not live my values. See, this, so this is what the healer is talking about is to not live your values um, is, a, is um, asking for poor health. It's really hard on us as humans to not live our values. And if you're not living your values, forget trying to find your calling. Just forget it. You're wasting your time. Just go enjoy not living your values. You know, live it up <laughs> because it's hard on your health and you won't be living your calling. Okay. So it doesn't really matter what others feel about you. What matters is how you feel about yourself, whether you feel that you are aligned with the values that give life meaning. So, you can see that from the healer's perspective, living well has very little to do with getting what makes – of just getting what makes you happy, right? That happiness is fleeting and that we li- when we live from what we value, we are able to access joy and all that matters to us in life. Even in those moments, we're not very happy. And so it's about shifting our sense from this sort of pursuit of happiness, which can be very superficial and fleeting – to living in a way that we are always at the threshold of joy because we have tended in this day to those things that we value that have meaning for us. And so this is, this is part one of the healer's message about deepening our understanding of what it means to live well. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that was all just part one. And remember, the healer gave us four things. So moving on to part two. So the second area the healer wants us to investigate is to prepare to drop the old stories and stop telling lies. Remember, that's the theme through all of this um, in our relationship between healing and death and that um, more specifically healing, actual true healing is death. It's the death of the self that carries the distortion or the illness. Right, so it's it, the healer is asking us to really grapple with understanding um, that whatever you perceive needs to heal exists in your life because of the, it is the logical conclusion of the sum total of who you are. It's not like you're perfectly fine and you catch something that the fact of your relationship with that illness or distortion is because of who you are. So who you are can't manifest anything but this logical conclusion, this particular illness or unhappiness. So to change that conclusion, you need to change yourself. So the self that you are must die 
so that a different self can be reborn whose logical conclusion is different. And this is what the healer is trying to get us to grapple with our relationship with death. Death is not a failure. In shamanism, dying into death is one of the first things you get taught as you're working with the dying is that people can completely transform their life and die and succeed. Death is not a failure. So the healer suggests that you journey to be shown the specific old stories that distort your full understanding of death as an ally. You know, this is going to be different for all of you. You all have different relationships with death. I mean, some of you have experienced a great deal of death in life. Some of you remain traumatized by that. Some of you haven't experienced any death of anyone close in your life. Um, I find the people that work most with death often have um, a, a very sort of at arm's length relationship with death. And that there's lots to be understood in our relationship with death. It's one of our greatest allies if you really want to live your calling. So that's the first thing. Journey to be shown the specific old stories that distort your full understanding of death as an ally. And then what will you do to drop these stories? So fear of death is brought on by our lie of separation that is deeply embedded in the old stories. And, the, and what results from that is the separation from the truth of life and separation from the truth of nature and our interdependence with it. So as you work with your relationship with death, Healer suggests that you could journey to explore the current reality of your relationship with truth of life. What is the truth of life? You can journey and find out what your relationship is with that. You could also journey to find out your relationship with the truth of nature. You know, these are things we're pretty disconnected from in our um, grab-and-go life. And um, it can help you change your relationship with death if you change your relationship with life and with nature. So of all of the things Healer said about a relationship with death and how that relationship either supports or distorts our relationship with health and well-being, I found this part the most interesting. The he- it's the first time I'd actually heard this. I mean, it surprised me that the healer said that death is uninterested with your false self. This is really fascinating. In other words, as long as you are deeply committed to allowing your false self to shape your perceptions and run your life, death is ignoring you. Now, some of you would say, well, that's great. Death is ignoring me, right? But that's an old story understanding of death. So death ignoring you is not a good thing. Because death is an initiator, right? That, that there's always the death of the current self and the birth of the new self. So if death is ignoring you, you are simply staying the same. So if we restore our values about death and a true understanding about death as the initiator, then the fact that death is ignoring us is a very bad sign. The healer said, death doesn't kill your false self. You have to. The actual physical death, the end of your life, does not end your false self. It lives on, hijacking the lives of your descendants. Actual physical death is only the end of your authenticity. So what I would add is that if we are dying without living authentically then actual physical death is also the end of any opportunity to ever live that authenticity. To me, this is a profound statement. It's actually one of the strongest arguments I've ever heard from spirit as to why we should engage in this four years of the cycle teachings so that we can actually dismantle our false selves because death won't do it for us. It's our responsibility to get that falseness out of the life sphere here so that people can live authentically. This is huge. If you want your descendants to know their calling more easily than you're figuring out yours, you have got to dismantle your false self before you die. And it is not an easy thing to do. Okay, moving on. So the next part of the healer's message is about how to drop the old stories and stop telling lies. Remember, that's our theme here. The whole point of exploring these issues in yourself and discovering the old stories and the lies you tell yourself is that we have this opportunity quickly approaching, you know, it's weeks away, that will allow us two things. 
a big sudden change and fruits for our labors in the coming year. Okay, so the next part of the healer's message is about how we don't really understand the role of community in an individual's health and well-being. Nor do we really understand the individual's singular responsibility relative to the community, which is to bring your medicine to the people. And that actually living in a way that you're doing that is the cornerstone to your personal health and well-being. And so these were you know, three and four on the healer's list to focus on. So the first one here is about the community's relationship with the individual. And I sense that this order is important, that we look at this first and then the individual's relationship with the community. So what the healer is saying is that first we need to re-understand how deeply we have given away our sovereignty and freedom, particularly our freedom to think for ourselves, um, to the cultural definition of things. And we have allowed ourselves to be defined by our culture. And that from living that cultural definition and even struggling with it, we are entirely missing the point. In other words, our lives are being defined by our, our accepting or not accepting this cultural definition. And so we're missing the point that it's all a construct. Our culture isn't reality. It's a construct. It's not the deeper reality. Right? It's just a construct. It's another false creation. It's real in our lives, but ultimately it's not the only reality. I mean, all you have to do is travel to another culture and see our culture isn't the only reality. Every culture creates its own reality, but it's in a sense false because it's not really the real reality underneath everything. So it's just a construct. It's another false creation. Whether we are living it or fighting it, we are still allowing it to define us. And this is a great source of illness of the body, the heart, the mind, and the spirit. So for those of you that are not regular listeners, let me just refer you to some shows on re-understanding mental illness. And you kind of have a better understanding of what the healer is saying in this part of this show. And I would look specifically at the shows that refer to Maladoma Somme, Gabor Mate, and David Tacey of really re-understanding um, illness and mental illness. For now, though, I want to get back to the healer's message. So the healer's message is, look at all the labels and roles your community has given you. Refuse to carry them, all of them, for they each carry an illness. Now, you may need to journey to see the ones that aren't obvious to you, but don't miss the point here. The healer is speaking to all of us. This isn't just about those of you who carry a diagnosis of like chronic depression or cancer or a label like multiracial or transgendered. This message from Healer is for all of us. Do you carry the label of manager, of straight white racist, of gangbanger, of starving artist, of suburban soccer mom, of executive, of blogger? These are all labels. These are all roles. The healer is saying that labels and roles you carry from your contemporary culture carry illness because your culture is ill and has largely failed you as community. Refuse to carry the illness. So now it gets interesting. So if not these labels and roles, then who are you? And this is basically the healer's point. Remember, the point of the show is your calling. If you drop all these labels and roles, who are you and why are you here? Now you can start asking, what is my calling? So define yourself from your core, from your truth, your values, not your response to your culture, which can be acceptance or rebellion, right? So define yourself from your core. Define who you are and make sure there is one role in the doing of that. Make sure there is one role you honestly and truly serve that adds value to your community. And this is essential for each individual's health and well-being to add value to the greater good. So we are the culture. The culture isn't out there. We are the culture. 
we can't wait for the culture to heal and redefine us. We must define ourselves based on our truth and carry within that understanding of ourselves something meaningful to us to offer then to the community. Yes, even if that community doesn't exist yet to receive you. Be who you are anyway. Give that role anyway, not as a reaction to, but as an addition to the community that you want to be part of. And if you are all doing that, that community will emerge. So you can journey to assess what old school stories you are actually using to define yourself. If not that, then what? So work this out, this whole labels and stories and roles thing before the solstice. Okay, the last part of the healer's message is really direct. It's one of those simple to understand but not necessarily easy to do kind of messages that spirit gives us a lot. And so this is the fourth part of the healer's message, and this is the one about individual and community. Your singular responsibility, this is the healer, your singular responsibility in life is to bring your medicine to the world. That is your individual role. Living into your growing understanding and refinement of this role defines your relationship with your community. It is also your calling. It is also the core of living well. So we are not well when we are not doing our work in the world. So Healer offers these four principles to guide you in defining yourself so that you're able to bring your medicine to the world. And these are sort of baseline beliefs, principles, and these are meant to help you begin to replace that network of old stories that you're supposedly trashing at this um, solstice fire. So first off, baseline, nothing's wrong with you. No original sin, doesn't matter what your parents did, nothing's wrong with you. So number two, stop acting like it. Stop acting like you've got some fundamental flaw. You don't. Number three, overexpression and underexpression of ego are both unhealthy egos. Unhealthy egos are cultivated to cover a person's deeper insecurities and fears, which are largely cultivated through your actions that are driven by old stories, which are based on some idea that something's wrong with you. Nothing's wrong with you. Stop acting like it. Okay, number four, define yourself from the inside out. Stop reaching for validation and a sense of self from the outside in. So this is your healer's task. Now, granted, solstice is coming up quickly and we've got three other teachers to go to. So if you're going to do this, I would suggest you throw yourself on the floor and start journeying. So what are you going to do with this? information you're getting from these journeys and beginning to work with this process because you're really going to make a big mess of your life and toss it all into the solstice and then get on with it okay so what what does that look like so my suggestion is that you focus on creating a power object actually two one for the old stories and one for the lies that you will stop telling yourself so the old stories can be in a blank book. You can make a paper book and write into it. You can collage the stories into it. What you create doesn't have to communicate those stories clearly to anyone else. It just has to communicate it to you. It's just about a conversation between you and spirit. So basically, you want to make some kind of collection of these stories that you're getting out of all these journeys that you need to throw away. And, and don't worry about it. You're going to start seeing the same stories showing up over and over and over again. Okay. The important thing is, is that whatever you create as a power object needs to fit into your fire. So if you've got room for a big fire, great. Then you can have little restraints on your objects other than they need to be non-toxic when they're burning. But what if all you have is a clay pot on the rooftop of your building in the middle of Manhattan? Okay, go Google flash paper and order it or go pick it up at your local magic shop. You can write on it. You can even collage on it. You can work with it. Well, if you collage on it, this won't help. But if you write on it, it will go up entirely in flames from the flame of a single candle. Got a tea light? Then you have a fire ritual. Be creative and don't be a baby about this. Figure out how to make your solstice fire ritual work within the actual constraints of your life. Um, lies, on the other hand, are very particular stories. They are weapons and they do damage very directly. So this will be a different kind of power object. And again, it needs to fit your fire. 
So you have to feel into what your lies are. Are they knives? Are they arrows? Are they spheres? Uh, spears, sorry. How do they bind? Uh, how do you then bind your lies into your power object? I mean, this is what I like about the traditional death arrow, life arrow idea of power objects is you're just winding a colored yarn or string on the stick. And in that winding, you're meditating and embodying the energy of the lie into the arrow. Very simple. So I wanted to let you all know that I have a, a new experience coming up in the end of January of next year of 2015. I'm going to be part of a group of people that are being asked to do a conference, a very experiential conference on yoga dreams and dreaming, exploring the second state of consciousness. And a couple of the other people on the panel will be Robert Moss, who's been on the show talking about active dreaming, and Ed Tick, who's been on the show talking about um, working with people, the traumas of war. And um, so it's it's not only it does it sound to me like a really interesting conference in and of itself, especially for those of you that do dream work, but it's going to be in the Bahamas. How bad can that be? Um, so it's at the Sivananda Bahamas Ashram and Yoga Retreat. And within the next few days, I'll have a link up on my own website to register. But you can register now through the Sivananda Bahamas site itself. Um, so. That's something new for those of you that might be interested. So for the rest of you, um, remember, those of you in the Northern Hemisphere, you are in lung time. Find in that the courage that you need to enter in a good way into the winter that is coming so that you can restore and rejuvenate your knowing of your own true self. So thank you, everyone, and have a good week.